This week on Canadian Tech Podcast, we have Eric Coe and Boyd Reed, founders of Hopin, a logistics software company getting people to work. All right, terrific. So as I said in the intro, we have Eric Coe and Boyd Reed here from Hopin. Gentlemen, thanks so much for spending some time with us here on Canadian Tech Podcast. Thank you for having us. It's really cool. Terrific. So let's get right into it. What was your inspiration for founding Hopin? You know, it was kind of one of those situations where uh, we were solving our own problem. Uh, it was myself, Boyd, and our other co-founder, Erwin. We actually grew up together. Um, we were childhood friends. Cool. And we were just kind of getting together more and more at the bar and noticed that the one thing we were complaining about was uh, commuting whether it's like school or work, we've basically had every bad commute that you can possibly imagine. Um, <laughs> so bus, train, automobile, everything. <laughs> literally everything. Um, it got so bad that like Irwin eventually moved downtown to Toronto to be closer to work and school. He just, mm. he couldn't take it. He paid more rent, but he was like, this is worth it. Yeah. Um, Common story. Yeah. So we sat there and we said, okay, we're complaining about this like everybody ever has done at some point, but why don't we actually do something about it? So, you know, we started thinking and it was a cool idea at first. Uh, and then I think it was like one night uh, or morning, I woke up at like three or four in the morning with this idea. And so I called Boyd and I was like, we got to do this. And he immediately turns and he's like, okay, I'm going to go back to sleep for about three or four hours and then I'm going to call you back and we'll do it. I figured that was the next line if he actually called him at that hour. Yeah. Yeah. We, you know what? For for about a year, I think he let this go, and then after that, he put a stop to it. So we don't do that anymore. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, we. That's how we kind of started. Like we, um, I called him up, and then we called up Irwin, and we said, "Let's do it." Right. We we want to build a tech product around this too. Um, it originally started as like a hitchhiking app, just to kind of like get people around and help them kind of share rides. Uh, I mean, it's a, it was a ride share, but it was sure. kind of more of a hitchhiking ride share where there wasn't too much profit going around. Um, that was an abysmal mess. Uh, we didn't have a single sign up. Everyone was like, Oh, this is, it's not safe. How are you going to do payments, et cetera, et cetera. That's the old, uh, uh, all the old arguments against Uber too. And, and Lyft and, you know, every other yeah. similar type of ride sharing uh, uh, platform. So, th so then we, we went back to the drawing board and we kind of, over the past three years, have stumbled upon, and I don't know how we got from there to here, but we stumbled upon what we think is the bigger issue or the root cause, which is actually um, gaps in economic development, like urban planning and infrastructure, right? Um, which is why our whole ethos here is to, to kind of work alongside what's already there and, and just kind of help prop it up. Okay, cool. Boy, boy, do you have any more insight on how you got from from there to here? There was a lot of research that we did. There was uh, for the first year of the company, we didn't even worry about sales. It was really about just understanding as much as we could about it. Uh, we did uh, surveys. We are not allowed in a couple, couple of malls because we were surveying so much there. Um, <laughs> and uh, so we did a lot of research, and, and that's where we kind of built a foundation around uh, that. And it was really like what Eric mentioned, like we found that gap uh, because, you know, there are a bunch of transportation options that are available to people, but they're just not being mobilized for the purpose of the commute. And that's where the, those gaps are. And then we decided to focus on being that connector and focus on the logistics and logistically plan out these transportations to serve the, the common commuter. Cool. So if I come to Toronto and we decide to hang out, 
Which mall are we not going to? We're not going to Eaton Center. We're not going to Yorkdale. Are we not going there's to? Like, we're not going to Von Mills. Like where? Where are we? Where are we not hanging out? There's like six <laughs> where we were asked to leave. Yes. Yeah. Real go getters. There you go. We don't need Silicon yeah. Valley. We've got we've got Toronto. We got GTA people who are willing to put the 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 work in, get the feet on the ground and bug the crap out of people to make it to help validate your product which you know as an entrepreneur is incredibly important you need to know yeah. uh, uh where those gaps are and you know uh, running twitter polls or or you know you know advertising a quiz or or a set of questionnaire a set of questionnaire a questionnaire on facebook will get you so far but i mean there's literally nothing like being in somebody's face and be like no no like how did you get here what problems did you have getting here or what problems do you have getting to work at that sort of thing that's cool yeah. um like what, what's your background where where were you guys working before because you you talked about you know growing up together and uh you know taking a year to to focus on something new potentially without income uh you know obviously that that's got to come from somewhere where, where were you guys up to beforehand uh, yeah so um after graduating university i went to school out, out in the states there uh, i worked at a company called uh, incredible novelties doing wholesale a, a distribution as an account executive so focusing on sales there um, okay. And then at that time, uh, Eric has a much more impressive resume than I do. Uh, he was working. Uh, he was he, crazy, he was, not he impressive. Was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he was playing, um, you know, professional rugby in Trinidad, um, and then did, came back and was working with the the Legislative Assembly. Um, and then a few other highlights was he also decided to uh, work for free at, at a startup uh, within the DMZ, a fintech startup, so they can better understand how to, to build out these companies. And when we first started looking at it, I was still working um, uh, at the job full-time. And so I was doing this part-time, so I worked that, worked that full-time, and then meet up with Eric, and we sit down and, and ideate and do research and put sticky notes all over his parents' basement oh uh, as we were building this out. Um, and then Eric was, uh, like I mentioned, you know, uh, working with this 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 fintech startup in the side, but then working on this on, uh, he was the first one to dive into this full time. And then it was the summer of uh, 2019 when uh, him and myself decided uh, to go full time. Uh, so he was there before, and then I joined in at that in, the, in that summertime there. Um, but we took the, the our backgrounds in terms of my mine and sales, him in terms of policy and regulation. And when we talk about economic development, like Eric mentioned before, and you know, he has a very very um, a strong knowledge uh, based around that and also connections too. So that was a really good place to start off with. Uh, so we started from not so much from looking for clients, but looking for um, different types of multipliers, lead generators, and people who would be able to support us in terms of interesting stakeholders. Cool, cool. I, I, just want that, I just want that on record. He said something really nice about me there, and I want to make sure we... <laughs> <laughs> He did. Well, he was quite know. complimentary. He, he, he did, yeah. <laughs> this is not about me, but I, I can, I can, uh, uh, I also have a crazy resume. Like I've pretty much done it all: retail, factory work, sales, research. Uh, you know, founder of my own company now for like the fourth time. So yeah, I totally get it. But you know, at the same time, I keep reading stuff about how generalists are going to start rule, ruling the world. So I'm like, finally, my yeah, time definitely. is arrived. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's that's how you learn, right? Like, you got to try everything once, at least, and then, and then you just you pick it up and, and you know what you like and what you don't like. Yeah, like some of the yeah. some of the most fun, engaging conversations are when I'll say like, oh, I've done that. And people are like, what? 
why when yeah. like, when did you do that and i'm like oh man yeah. let me tell you uh but anyway like i said this is not about me um so uh, you know you've uh, i agree you know having having lived in the city of london ontario uh for a while uh i saw firsthand you know all sorts of gaps uh in in the london transit commission and where it goes and whether i was a student or i was trying to get to my job at the uh walmart at white oaks mall or what have you um i experienced it firsthand and of course i heard i heard about it from from friends too so uh, i'm just i'm curious you know you talked about eventually obviously having to to find customers and and um you know pay bills uh is this geared is hopping geared more towards private corporations towards transit authorities municipalities uh are you are you going after some combination of the two or or are you looking at a completely different market here so our our customers are actually the corporations like we do mm. sell enterprise clients um but we we definitely work inside of a, an ecosystem that involves like all levels of government um the transit agencies as well because i think I, I mentioned before that we we try and work as harmoniously as we can with them um our, our real goal here is to kind of pick up where it drops off in those really obscure industrial parks or you know those rural areas where there really is a lack of transit access mm -hmm. um so so not stepping on anyone's toes really just here to help but selling the corporations because that's the fastest way to get people moving uh and to improve the access cool so maybe this is a bad example i i don't know oakville well but you know the oakville ford plant is like kind of just out there near the 403 it's huge potentially that sort of thing right where maybe the uh the transit system ends just a couple kilometers away you could walk but you know maybe ford wants to to make things easier for their employees and actually piggyback uh maybe off of a bus stop or something like that and offer uh, a shuttle service that like that sort of thing yeah i mean that that's the ultimate goal here i guess people have coined it last mile um we can do last mile but we can also help with with longer journeys too um, we can kind of customize the solutions and it's, it's our bread and butter is to customize solutions based on the needs of the companies and their employees. So we really get down to the nitty gritty with all of them and say, okay, what are your problems with commuting? You know, what, what can we do here for you? And when that's where Boyd kind of goes back to the lab and plugs it all into our software and figures out, <laughs> okay, this is how we're going to put everything together on these schedules, on these routes, everything. Cool. Um, so I was looking at the website recently, uh, you know, wanted to, to obviously focus on, on hop in and what, what problems you guys are solving and, and the tech angle. So on the one hand, this sounds like maybe purely software, but, uh, also maybe vehicles does, does hop in provide everything needed to, to get this, I'll call it a shuttle service up and running or are, or is it just the software and I don't know, Ford or, or, you know, bell canada or whomever is like leasing buses or something like that so we uh, so we focus uh, solely from the company standpoint hop in standpoint on that software building it out that way but what we also do is like um, eric mentioned is, is operate within that ecosystem so we we partner with different transportation providers whether it be a ride share or whether it be a, like a charter bus company especially mm -hmm. charter bus companies now because there's a lot of idle fleet um due to the non-movement of people but even generally when they're when they were hot they had up and down times because they're very um, reliant on type of type of events you know 
weddings, trips to Niagara Falls, these kind of things. So it was very inconsistent business. But we go to these business, these, these uh, charter bus companies and tell them that we have consistent business for you because it's Monday to Friday, nine to five, or even late shifts or overnight shifts. It's consistent because these people need to get to work every single day. So it provides consistent business there. So we operate as that, that connector and that bridge and we kind of organize everything from the logistics uh, angle. So like Eric mentioned, we get what we have what we call the needs assessment. We understand the commuting challenges that uh, the company is facing. So whether something around retention, you know, it's harder for their employees to get into work or it's a recruiting issue because they're unable to hire because, you know, the local community where they can hire from is, is they're exhausting it or they just need to hire from different resources. We, mm -hmm. we then take all that, those challenges, plug that into our logistics software that's able to look at the big picture in terms of um, gaps that are happening within the, the commute, but also available and location around them and then from there we provide solutions by connecting it to the different type of transportation companies so if it's a small company maybe a ride share might make the most sense because you're only moving maybe a handful of people but when you're a bigger company like you mentioned a ford or you know amazon or some of these other larger companies you know using a mini bus or a larger bus is essential so from our standpoint when we work with our clients we have a fleet operation size of anywhere from a four-seater stand all the way up to a 56-seater coach bus and for our standpoint we don't handle the actual operational aspect of finding a driver tuning the vehicles we don't handle that that's all handled by professionals and the the charter bus companies uh we just handle the connecting piece of taking those challenges finding a problem and then outsourcing the actual ride operations to these transportation companies cool yeah when we, we were talking there about uh, uh idle bus time and that sort of thing i immediately started thinking about forever ago uh taking um uh, a casino bus from little town of strathroy all the way to niagara falls because they just picked it up you know picked it up literally took us to riverview or whatever it's called <laughs> been niagara <laughs> falls in a while mm -hmm. um and uh you know we were there for the day and then took us back home what did that guy you know what did that driver what did that vehicle do in the meantime they could be doing something like this so that's cool um I did notice the you talked about the retention there. You, I, I think you had on the website uh, like a calculator uh, to help you figure out like uh, uh, what it would cost you to replace a person. I think is the the number you're displaying there. How did you guys get get to those numbers? Because I think I, I plugged somebody in like, oh, they're making sixty k a year, blah blah blah, and it was like it's going to cost you like one hundred and four thousand dollars to to replace this person. Um, I, people should go check double check the language there but like where where did you get where did you get that data where how did you come up with those numbers there so it's uh it's not per person actually it's per like company so we look at like what's okay. your total workforce and what's the average salary right there um, we go. so yeah not 104 per person no, that's that's <laughs> <laughs> um, my bad my bad that i mean that took us the better part of what two years to develop void um mm. we we were looking at industry standard for all these retention data sets um across north america or across the world and things we're looking at the different uh the different types of industry right the the different niches within manufacturing and things like we got really 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 detailed with it to give you the best average to show you mm. okay roughly this is what you could be losing to poor retention right or, or to turnover right, or okay. something um, and with companies, we can get way more detailed with it too. We can go by their their industry compared to the average there, and uh, and kind of show them what we can help save them. Yeah. See, now I'm curious because a I said something <laughs> incorrect. Um, but 
Okay, yes. So it was the uh, the the default uh, example here is 100 employees, uh, average of 60 grand a year, uh, which is certainly not with uh, uh, outside of um, any sort of um, uh, you know possibility. And yeah, the the cost of retention there is 110,000 and 110,400 dollars. So you're saying that's so so explain that number then. That is so for. You know, for all the costs that you have to spend training new employees or hiring, you know, all the resources that go into that for an, a workforce of 100 employees with an average salary of 60 grand across the board, um, you're losing about 104,000 then per year total. Okay. So having to retrain to turn it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, 100, 100 employees is a decent sized co company, but I'm sure you could spend, you could find much better ways to spend that $110,000, uh, whether it's income tax, you know, corporate income tax or, or one kick-ass Christmas party when we can have those again or holiday <laughs> party, sorry, holiday party. Um, I celebrate Christmas. Lots of other people don't. Um, so yeah, but like you could, you could offer your employees perks or, or yeah. sandbag it for a rainy day, like a pandemic or something. Uh, yeah. In case you need it, <laughs> that's never going to happen. No, I don't even know what that word means. Um, so, uh, can we talk a little bit about the major benefits uh, your customers get out of deploying Hopin Solution? Like, what are the top maybe two or three things that like your customers are like? Oh my goodness! Thank goodness for Hopin because this happened. Yeah. Um, so we'll kind of go small to big here because I think there's sure. there's a huge like overarching problem that we're trying to solve. But okay. uh, for the companies, it's it's kind of what Boyd talked about, right? It's access to different hiring pools like outside of your your geographic region as a company, uh -huh. um, helping you kind of diversify that way. And then the other thing that we that we help with long term is retention support. And again, we don't claim to be a retention solution because I think that's a, a bigger fish to fry, but. Um, retention support, right? Because there are studies that show a direct correlation between uh, a better commute and your job satisfaction, right? Sure, and then ultimately yeah. leading to productivity. Uh, for the the employees, and this is kind of where it gets a bit bigger, um, we're, you know, we're really big on social policy in our company and, and everything we do is founded on the principles of, of social policy of the United Nations SDGs. Um, so what we can do for people is actually we've been able to help people from underserved communities access better job opportunities through this because transportation seems to be one of the biggest barriers to to this access mm -hmm. um and so we we helped like one of our clients is maple lodge farms in brampton we helped them okay. hire their first employers from scarborough which oh, you wow. know by transit is what it's three transit different transit agencies you have to go across i don't know how many different buses you'll, you'll change that's a but... few hours i'm sure yeah yeah, just one way even, right? So yeah. yes, by using yeah, our yeah. service, like Maple Lodge has shown a very, very prime example of what we're able to do. Cool. Um, the other added benefit, uh, I mean, a lot of companies are focusing, focusing on, on corporate social responsibility, environmental sustainability. Um, with our buses, we're also able to, to kind of tackle that. So in the future, we're looking at things like electric vehicle fleets, right? But but for now, we actually just announced a partnership with this company, EcoDrive. And basically what we're doing is we're, we're having them plant trees on our behalf uh, in Madagascar right now, but we're going all around the world with it to offset our carbon emissions. So we're actually technically carbon neutral now in our rides. And that's, you know, that's the first tangible step towards environmentally friendly initiatives like this. Cool. 
Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I'm, I actually just pre-ordered uh, an electric vehicle for next year, so I'm really excited about that because there you go. I'm just I'm just kind of tired of being part of the problem. Obviously, uh, you yeah. know, I've got my got all LED lights. I've got you know, I've got <laughs> things pretty. I I you know, most of my energy usage is in the evening. You know, off peak hours and all that. And but I've still got a full size pickup truck. Sorry, and. Uh, <laughs> And an aging crossover, which, you know, does okay mileage, but it, it is not great. So, um, yeah, seeing, I know that there are electric buses already, uh, but certainly seeing a lot more of these out on the road and taking cars off the road, ultimately, for the people who have cars or, uh, uh, you know, easing their commute is, uh, is really, really cool. Are there any drawbacks inherent to solving these problems this way as opposed to uh uh you know telling scarborough and brampton or i guess the ttc and brampton transit you know just like guys get together and and you know make it better i wouldn't say there are any drawbacks necessarily um because again we we understand the rules of the game here especially with the transit agencies right and we're not we're not here to step on toes but um i i, th I think uh the, the, the only drawback might be in growing a bit too fast. Um, mm. And that's why we like to sync up with urban planners and economic developers to see, okay, how, how quickly or, or at what pace is your city growing now? Are you bringing in companies and, and what do they need, right? Because um, we don't want to build all this for these companies, have all this going in, and, and then the city comes in and says, whoa, 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 like, this is too fast. Yeah, yeah. You, you got to go at a, a certain pace, right? So we're we're trying to grow sustainably as well, and not just come in here and be your typical. Uh, I mean, they say disruptive, but I think destructive tech company. <laughs> a lot of them, I think, are, are a bit destructive. Yeah, I, I did want to ask about that. So why don't we skip ahead and then we'll come back and talk maybe a little bit more about the software because uh, I don't I don't think we've talked about enough uh, talked enough about it to be honest, and that's that's my fault. So let's let's go to the to the destructive thing <laughs> and then we'll come back to the software so mostly in the states you know this happens but we've seen a lot of criticism directed at private transit options uh offered by google facebook probably even apple you know all sorts of other silicon valley uh based companies um partially because they they do use the same infrastructure whether they've asked for permission or not i don't know in every in every situation um but, you know, Google buses, Facebook buses will literally stop at, you know, San Francisco transit uh, bus stops yeah. and that sort of thing um, has. So you've kind of talked about it already, but has Hopin encountered this type of criticism, maybe not from from City Hall, because you seem to be working pretty well with them, but maybe just from average people. Uh, and if so, like, how are you trying to, to combat that potentially negative image if it is happening? Mm -hmm. Uh, it's funny that you said you don't want to talk about software because this is where it comes into play. Um, well, no, I do. I, I'm saying I don't think we've talked about it enough, and that's my fault. So we're going to come back to it, but we're, please go ahead. We're coming to it now, apparently. But, yeah, good. Even um, better. So I'll start by saying, like, <laughs> again, the the way that they've been a bit destructive, I think some of these, these companies is not like there's no malicious intent, right, per se. there's It's just they want to get their employees to work. They see a good path to it. And then why wouldn't you take it, right? But mm -hmm. we looked at that when we were building this and we said, okay, the way that we're building our logistics models now and our software, um, can we do it in a way that it's a bit more efficient, which is why we do the customized routes, which, which is why we take a bit more time to do things um, because we're trying to plan this in a sustainable way. And, and 
like you just said, we play nice with um, with all levels of government. I think they they play nicely with us as well. Um, and and kind of that sync up between our software and making sure that we're being transparent with the appropriate bodies is what allows us to not be so destructive here. Um, we do use some of the um, some of the transit pickup spots. Um, not not too many, but we also look at like okay, we can use mall parking lots or something, right? Um, right. There are tons of other designated spots too, and I think I think even like the the go train stations have like carpool parking spots, some of them. Um, so so just like again, taking a bit more time to understand the layout and the rules that we're playing with before we do anything, and then designing software around that. And ideally, not not piss off somebody at the provincial government. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you've ha- you've talked about customized routes. You've talked about you know uh, this as like a, as a logistics platform. Uh, you know, taking your time. I don't really know how to ask this, but I'll just say can, let's let's talk about the software for a, li- a little bit. Like, obviously, uh, I can imagine this sort of thing taking years. Uh, uh, you know, you have incredibly well financed companies like Uber and Lyft, which have done this almost entirely bespoke, if not, if not completely custom in house, uh, sounds like you guys have probably done a similar thing. Like what's, what's that been like? And, and you know, and, and like, what do people, uh, uh, actually see if anything, um, uh, of the software, whether it's, uh, um, a customer like Maple Lodge farms, or maybe the actual people like getting on, like where, tell us about it. Like, let's, let's dig in. Yeah, so I can talk about it from uh, the three kind of technologies that our entire technology is putting together. Uh, there's different components of each technology, and then I'll kind of answer your question as we go along here. So, the, you know, from the from the first part here is the logistics aspect of it, and that's what's coordinating all moving pieces, and that's kind of what we have in place right now, and that's where we built our company around. Right, and the idea of this logistics software, and it's continuing to improve as we go uh, go along, and the tech team continues to build upon it. But the the core competency of that tech is to be able to look at the entire picture simultaneously in a holistic approach. So the idea of what I mentioned when we look at companies and look at their employees' challenges, we take that, and then we also look at all the transportation of, um, options that are available to that person. And then we also look at all the transportation options that are available to that person that they un- they are unable to access. So the when we look at the the challenges, they may be coming from let's let's use Maple Lodge for example, coming from Scarborough, right? And they may be able to get to Maple Lodge, right? There is ways of getting there. It's not impossible. It's just very very not uh, it's not efficient. Um, it'll take a very much a long time. So. What we do is we look at how can we in, inject our shuttle services um, and what shuttle services make the most sense in terms of filling that gap there. And that is all done logistically um, through our software. So instead of like myself sitting and having like 30 different tabs open with like different Google Maps, looking at all these people, like, I mean, are you sure? That's, that's one way of doing it, but it's taking all that information sure. and, and, and doing it in a much more automated way. And our, you know, our tech team has done an amazing job at developing different types of algorithms and make that super easy. Uh, so all from our end, so I handle like, you know, a lot of the operational side, I just, just give it a human eye on it, 
um, in terms of the the logistics. So they the logistics plans out the routes, offers solutions, and then I just give it a human eye and see, you know, maybe adjust it this way. Or for example, especially within the GTA, we've we, I know lived here pretty much our whole lives, is that I can know like you know there's there's this it's a, maybe a little bit faster going down this way just because I, I, I again take the human eye approach. We do take that in terms of optimization over time, but you know in the initial standpoint, I can take I can play the play the eye test. So. We have that side, which is like the internal web application that handles all the logistics and all that. Um, and that's really is not really seen from the customer. Uh, they're just seeing the results. They're seeing the results and the reports that we feed them. So it's not like we're just doing these things and saying we, we provide reports so that they have an idea of why we're going around this way. Um, but mm -hmm. all that, you know, algorithm, the, the mapping, the logistics, that's all happening behind the scenes. Um, so then the next part there is what we have is for the the companies themselves, which is a corporate dashboard, which provides them with this kind of information and, and, and reporting that they can export, you know, whenever they need to. For example, they have a more they have a morning meeting they forgot to, they can go print it out a report right, right before that meeting and they have access to that at all times. And they also be able to track vehicles and also see kind of the action that's currently happening with their shuttles. Uh, so that's a corporate dashboard available for the companies. And then from an individual user standpoint, we have our rider application. Um, and the rider application for that is, you know, its ability to track your vehicles. There's some messaging on that, that platform as well. So from the corporate dashboard, you can message to the riders themselves. Um, and we can also message to the riders directly on that standpoint there. Um, and we're also okay. able to um, provide that rider experience. So that, so things like, you know, miss, like showing up at a bus stop and not knowing if the bus came, that kind of thing is solved because you know if the bus is running behind you're able to track the shuttle from from that standpoint there your ticketing is on there so from the rider experience we have a rider experience from a company dashboard experience we have the company experience and then internally it's our logistics the web application that is is handling the whole operations there awesome this sounds like you had to take a ton of external data right that you guys probably didn't collect yourself in order to help inform a lot of this like were you were you going to companies like navtech or uh nokia or people like that who have a lot of this traffic data or or google etc to to try and bring that in or uh, like how did how did that work out in terms of helping sort out those logistics and and maybe if you if you guys are like taking into account time of day and that sort of thing mm -hmm. We have a bunch of different mentors for that, to be honest. Um, you know, different private organizations are helping us. Um, some of the publics, yeah. But uh, our, our solution needs to understand both sides of it, right? So we had to, mm -hmm. to talk to everybody um, because we're not just understanding how to help people commute to work, but we're understanding daily transportation patterns as a whole. Otherwise, yeah. we won't be able to help everybody get to work. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we, we have both sides of the coin we're, we're, we're playing with different people. And then we have, we have tons of mentorship. Um, and I just wanted to add one piece to the software um, within the mobile apps. We're also developing another one for the drivers. And the reason why we're doing this is because, uh, you know, we could track ride data off of the apps for the, the actual customers, but mm -hmm. we looked at kind of like what's going on with cybersecurity and data privacy these days, right? Especially after Cambridge Analytica and everything. Yeah. Um, and we said, okay, how can we do not just the bare minimum, but how can we do more and actually be a really ethical company here? So instead of tracking location data on, on the apps all the time like that, we're just going to track the rider or see the, the driver app to track the ride itself, because that's the data we need, right? right? We don't need to know where everybody's going all the time. And that's just intrusive. So we, we are taking a step 
towards doing that. And it's an extra product to build, but we feel like it's really important to do that. No, that's great. The, the, you're right. Uh, uh, you know, I have a client who has no in-app in-app analytics whatsoever because that's how much they really care about uh, about the the user not having uh, you know additional IDFA and that sort of thing being exposed to the company. They don't want it. They don't they don't want to use the data. They'd rather just talk to the customers directly and, and figure out what's working and what's not. Uh, so I don't fault you for, for taking that approach. The data has to come from somewhere. Uh, you know, there was a decision obviously made at some point that, you know, let's put it in the consumer app. You know, it, it happens. But yeah, I, I would say, uh, I would say personally, you know, that's totally the right approach to, to change it around. Get one source of data instead of twenty that are probably all telling you the exact same thing anyway, um, and, uh, and and get it from somebody who should expect to be tracked in that way because it's you know they're doing a job as opposed to I'm trying to get to work uh, uh, and you know and somebody's watching me quote unquote. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I I hope I assume you guys aren't doing anything nefarious with that data. You don't have to answer that question. That's not even a question. Um, but yeah, that's 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 good to hear. Um, so it's been a few years, you guys have customers, uh, that means revenue, you, you've developed custom solutions for, you know, our, you know, custom software and logistics and, and algorithms and all that in house. Like how satisfied are you with how far you've come with Hopin? Uh, are you happy with the results and the growth so far? Like, are you guys comfy with that? Or, or do you wish you had more at this point? That's probably mm -hmm. a Boyd question because he's the one that's on the <laughs> Come on, operations man. Yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's it's one of those things that I think we we hear from our mentors all the time. Uh, we're very ambitious people. Um, you should hear our conversations just the founders group alone uh, in terms of what we want to accomplish. Um, but we know we can't just get there um, right away. So. Uh, so for us, you know, a lot of the things that we want to do in terms of build out with, you know, it's in the future and we have to get there. Um, so every once in a while, we have to make sure that we, we take a take a moment and appreciate how far we've come uh, in terms of this, especially during a pandemic. Um, I don't think a lot of companies, especially in the transportation and uh, what is to even survive at this time, you know, even some of the, the context we had prior. Um, when it came to transportation um, and potential transportation uh, providers, they didn't survive this pandemic. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, the, the fact that we we have been able to, but not only survive, but also grow and, you know, the company is growing month over month, not only from a revenue standpoint, but also from uh, an employment standpoint as well. Uh, and, and also what we were able to do from impact, we had a year end review last year. Uh, we, had, we reached out to our transportation providers and, you know, one of the greatest messages that we got, honestly, not that we didn't know was happening, but it's just some things that you, it's kind of it just goes over your head sometimes. They send a, a message about like how we were able to save jobs for their drivers. You know, these are things that they they had no business. They had no business going on in that standpoint there. And what we were able to do is by providing them our business to those transportation providers, we we're able to, uh, you know, you know, feed families. And to me, that is it, huge. So. We, we like to every once in a while take a, take a moment and look at our impact that we're doing now um, and not get too lost in the in the future goals. Because if you, if you focus too much on that, you'll never be satisfied with what you have. Uh, we're still hungry, we're super ambitious. And, you know, a lot of people are always telling us, you know, maybe, you know, maybe can you accomplish that? And then we're like, yeah, we can. And we, and we, we, we knock it out of the park. Um, but at the same time, you know, there, there's struggles and there's a pressure that, that come with everything and, you know, there's, there's the day-to-day -day, uh, struggles of being an entrepreneur, but um, 
to, 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 to circle back and answer the question, you know, we're, we're satisfied um, in terms of, of, of being able to continue the, the, the company. Uh, we are hungry for more and we want more and we, we expect more from us as well, but we're still super grateful for what we're at. Um, and I can speak for myself and other co-founder Erwin, we're insanely grateful for our team uh, that's been able to, to make things. And they remind us every single day, you know, how, how, how privileged we are to be in our position. So uh, still hungry, but, you know, still taking it day by day and enjoying, uh, enjoying the process. That's awesome. I, I actually did think about that last night of uh, after, uh, you know, I'd sent over some some preparatory information about, yeah, it's been over a year now where lots and lots of people, uh, not everybody, obviously, and certainly, you know, places like factories, people are still going to work and, and have been pretty much this whole time unless there's been an outbreak of some kind. Um, you've kind of already touched on it, but I, I guess it sounds like despite the pandemic, uh, Hopin's been been doing well like what's have the conversations changed at all like have you have you started getting different clientele that maybe you weren't thinking you would get as a result or has it just mostly been like while we're still in business you know maybe this need is even greater than it was before and so hey hop in like help us out with this problem mm -hmm. um it's, it's it's what what we've seen is that like before the pandemic it was really about um you know helping people get to work and we we're speaking to a variety of different companies from different industries uh, so not only manufacturing and packaging but also like the tech industry as well you know we we we, we talked we talk to them because they have a large number of people going into the facilities but when the pandemic hit you know a lot of those um, non-essential workforce were working from home so a lot of people looked at us and be like well now your 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 resource is gone but like we're like that's not the case right so what we really really dabble down on terms of the essential workforce helping them get to work um during that time as well we you know we started um you know what we call our COVID campaign um to also support our frontline healthcare workers as well by you know helping them get to work with with some free rides but also you know providing and delivering some some meals and donating over you know twenty five thousand masks so we, we we supported on that lens too um but where the message changed uh, with the pandemic was it wasn't just about getting people to work but it was also about getting people to work safely you know, with these essential workforces, the manufacturing, unfortunately, they're the ones that are receiving some of the lower wages. So they're very dependent yeah. on public transit. And public transit was a very, very a nightmare of a place to be, especially early on in the pandemic, even to this day. So what we were able to do was provide kind of what we call like our corporate bubble for companies where we, we shuttled them to and from work. So in essence, you were protecting and reducing the touch points that they potentially have with uh, with COVID. And so that's where we saw a lot of our growth right. in these early days. And we did a few different pivots, you know, uh, along that way. But that's where we've seen our biggest growth. It's just really just changing that messaging in terms of that safe ride to work. And we implemented tons of policies to provide that. And to this day, we've had zero COVID cases on any of our shuttles. That's amazing. Good. Uh, we've just got a few minutes left here. Let's see if we can uh, rapid fire these last two questions. <laughs> What's next for Hopin? What do you like, you talked about moving the 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 very important and understandably important uh, GPS tracking to the driver app, but maybe on a more substantial level, what what's where are you guys going next? Uh, I guess we're heading south. <laughs> okay, we're we're I, just I was going to ask that next. Yeah, yeah, we're just in the middle of uh, of opening up in uh, in the U.S. and Mexico right now. Actually, um, there's a huge need I think in South America as well. So we're just kind of making our way down there. But, you know, all throughout the U.S. as well, like you, you have these massive 
areas, especially in the Midwest, where there are just industrial parks, right? And and a lot of these areas need the help that we provide. Um, beyond that, too, I mean, we're across Ontario now as well. Um, we, we just got approved for a project in uh, in Northumberland County with the the Manufacturers Association, and uh, and we do have some support from from the government on that as well, um, some funding. But we're um, yeah, we're just going to keep expanding out to these areas that need us. I think there are industrial areas in every single country around the world, right? So yeah, we're just going to go after those and and. We're just going to piece this together one, one shuttle at a time, I guess. And, and, <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah. One mini bus at a time. There you I go. love mini buses. <laughs> um, they're just so cute. Uh, that's great. Um, where, like, where is is are all your customers right now in Ontario? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. Okay. Uh, just wanted to ask that. Uh, last question: As a Canadian company, what benefits do you th- you feel like you've had? operating here in Canada as opposed to starting somewhere else? You know, okay, we'll compare to the States because they're our neighbor and, and they're the startup giants, right? Um, yeah. Everybody everybody goes down there and they talk about how great it is and, and it is, right? Like you can go down there and, and you can sell and sell and sell and scale your company like crazy. But what we love about Canada is, is actually the conservatism or, 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 you know, how conservative people are or companies are here. Um, because number one, it teaches you to really like cut your teeth in this market. Um, mm-hmm. you really have to be able to sell a good product that people absolutely need to get any sales in Canada, I think. Right. Uh, whereas in the States, it is a little bit easier, right? Even just to get people to pick up the phone, it's a bit easier to get them to either say sure. yes or no fast. Um, so it taught us, it taught us a lot of perseverance. I think, um, the, the other thing with it too, is like, uh, I, I think it teaches you to provide a bit more quality as well. And you take a bit more care in things because, um, working with our governments, working with uh, the companies that are here and things and, and under all the regulation that we do, because I think every industry has so much regulation. Um, it, yeah, it teaches you to provide the quality and, you know, really show what you're doing here step by step um, to show how do we scale this, right? How does it how does it go X, Y, Z in this direction? Um, so so Canada really helped us, I think, grow as people, as as business people, Um as you know, on a personal level, I think we grew as well trying to trying to start a business up here, um, and it has the added benefit of still having that like that really big developed country feel to it, right? right. You know, you're still you're still in a in a good country with with a solid economy, so yeah. it's it's Thank possible goodness. out here. Yeah, um, and then uh, there's a really cool startup environment as well in Toronto, right? Like there's so many yeah for sure. Yeah, I've been to I, w- I went to Mars uh the place not the planet um one day <laughs> god what is it? almost two years ago now i think about a year and a half ago uh for for the open identity decentralized identity conference something like that diac uh that conference mm-hmm. uh so that was super cool i mean the architecture was amazing but you know to to be in a room with super smart people all day was obviously amazing and so i you know passed by the dmz and and all sorts of other things because i because I like to, because I walked from downtown up to uh, up to Mars, um, so it was cool. Um, on the flip side, is, do you feel like there's anything holding holding you back? Uh, you know, starting out here or being a Canadian company? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's kind of the other side of the coin of what, what I just talked about, right? Like, it's good to to formulate your idea, validate it here, and, and develop a quality pitch and a quality product and service. 
but when you need to scale, like, there's no place like the States, right? <laughs> there's no place like, like Mexico even, um, mm. where, you know, you're just quick firing these sales calls and, and these contracts and things, and it's, it's going to get crazy. But again, I think if you take the time at home in Canada to develop this thing, go down to the States, uh, to Mexico and really blow it up, you come back to Canada as a, as a really seasoned company. And we, we do intend on keeping our, most of our operations centralized in Canada. Good. That's terrific. Uh, great guys. Thanks so much for, for spending this time with me this afternoon on Canadian tech podcast. I really appreciate it. Uh, anybody wants to learn more about Hopin, go to hopintech.com. actually type www.hopintech.com and, um, and we'll see you on the next, uh, on the next episode. Great. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Canadian Tech Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please give it a five-star rating on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Or like the video and subscribe to the YouTube channel. We'll see you back here in two weeks. In the meantime, have fun.